July the 24th, we started a series on the miracles or the signs that are recorded in John, and there were seven of them. Ironically, there are seven I am's that Jesus Christ spoke of also in the book of John. And today we're starting an eight series on the I am's of God or I am's of Jesus. To start this off, we want to start with simply the two words I am. And if you need an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. They were in the bulletins, but if you did not get one and you would like one, I'd like for you to have one so you can follow along. Raise your hand and Brother Steve will make sure that you get an outline to that. I want to read one verse of scripture beginning uh, at the, uh, the sermon, John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Lord, I enter this time of sharing this scripture, Lord, with, with awe. I enter it, Lord, recognizing that your name is, is powerful and precious. May I approach this sermon, dear God, with the reverence that it needs. And may we listen, dear God, with the ears to hear, the heart to understand. Speak to us this message. In Christ's name, amen. The two small words say more about this most awesome God than a whole novel ever could. They assure us that not one miraculous trait defining our God could ever be left out. I am says it all. And you know, if you just read this, you feel like something's missing. Something's missing. But I am, and I'll tell you later, says it all. The magnitude of that is amazing. He just is. If the scriptures would have actually added the enormous sum of greatness that would be necessary to define those two impactful words, the Bible would have tripled in size. The possibilities are infinite. You simply cannot list everything that God is. These two words are profoundly meant to be followed by whatever we need them to say. Beginning with God's identity revelation. This is one of the greatest revelations that you can, can find in the Bible. And most of us know the story of how that Moses on the backside of the desert after leaving Egypt land saw a bush that was burning and it was not being consumed. So he said, I will step aside. I will go over to see what's happening. And he did. And God spoke to him. The great God Jehovah spoke to him and said, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. When I was in South Korea, we would not go into the church unless everyone took off their shoes. You did not enter the churches there in South Korea with shoes on, which was showing simply reverence for God Almighty. And I'm convinced today that the church, our church here in the Western world, here in America, we should show forth the reverence that God 
certainly that is due him. But God said to, to Moses, take off his shoes, you're on holy ground. And God began to speak to him out of this bush that was burning in the desert. If there ever was a time that the church needs to hear from God, it's today. Moses said, I'm going to stop, take time to go here and see what God has to say. People are too busy today. We all are, we're not careful. We're too busy to stop, take time to listen to what God has to say to us. Whether it's in a song that we're sung this morning, whether it's in the offertory that was uh, given today, or whether it's in the sermon, or whether it's just a sitting open, ready for the revelation of God Almighty. We need to hear. The church down the street needs to hear from God. The church up the street needs to hear from God. Churches across this community needs to hear from God. Churches around the world, individuals around the world needs to hear from God. Notice, first of all, God speaks in the desert. This this simple happening changed the world it was important that Moses hear we don't necessarily need to hear people talking about politics I'm tired of it we don't need to turn on the television to see what pundits have to say because a lot of times they don't know what they're talking about we need to hear what thus says the Lord What happened here in this desert time, as I said, changed the world, changed the lives because the children of Israel for centuries had been in bondage to Egypt. God says to uh, Moses, I want you to go and lead the children of Israel, your people, out of bondage. Moses sort of scratched his head, no doubt, and said, okay, what am I going to say? In fact, notice what he says in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? Egypt had a lot of gods. Thousands and thousands of gods. And so here's a man coming up to three and a half million people and said, God spoke to me and he told me, to lead you out of bondage. And he goes to Pharaoh and tells him the same thing. And Moses here was saying to God, when I go there and they ask me what your name is, what am I going to say? Notice the scripture. What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. I love this message. Forgive me, but I love God saying I am has sent you sent you. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God, notice that the Lord there is capitalized. Every letter is capitalized. That's Yahweh. He didn't tell him his name to start with, but now he tells him his name. His name is Yahweh. The children of Israel, the Jewish people, revered that name so much they wouldn't even say it. Yahweh, the Lord 
God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He is the one that has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. In fact, 200 and, I mean, 2017, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, you tell them that I am has sent you. Moses was personal encountered by God himself. But he was because he turned aside, and I don't want to be redundant, but I want to get this point across. He was encountered by God because he turned aside. He, he cut off the telephone. He turned off the television and whatever he had to do to listen to God. We're busy today, aren't we? We've got a lot to do. We run around. But God help us to turn aside, to give an ear to what the Lord is saying today. Brother Larry challenged us when he got up here earlier. Don't think about what we did yesterday, what we've got to do today. All of us are busy. But I'm here to challenge you to open your spiritual eyes and listen with spiritual ears. And let's hear the divine revelation of God speak to our hearts today. That's the only thing that will change our lives. Preacher not going to change you. Church is not going to change you. But I'll tell you what will change you, an encounter with Jesus Christ. Moses had that encounter. The knowledge of God requires a sense of encounter. And my prayer today is throughout this city, pastors, ministers, members, deacons, elders, would have an encounter certainly with Jesus Christ. Number two, an all-inclusive revelation. I want you to notice this revelation. Let God speak to our hearts today. Moses said, when I come to the children of Israel, what shall I tell them? Who shall I tell them? God said, you tell them, I am has sent you. This was a verb being. A verb being. Everybody and everything else in the world becomes. But God is. I'm stunned. And I hope I can sense that awareness that he is. God said, tell them who I, that I am sent you. Because he is the I am. All is present with God. Let me say that again. Because he is the I am, all is present with God. That's the reason that Jesus could look at those religious leaders that they tried every way they could in disagreeing with him, to kill him, to do away with him. And they were so proud of the idea that they were the children of Abraham and they were talking to Jesus about Abraham and they were saying, you claim to be all of this. We are the sons and daughters of Abraham. And all of a sudden Jesus pulls out of his pocket and says, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to kill him. Jesus wasn't talking about his age. Because Jesus had no beginning and he has no end. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and he is 
the end. He meets you in the now. You meet him in Jesus Christ. God speaking to Moses, the great Jehovah that blasted from Mount Sinai with lightnings and thunder. This great God where was unapproachable. The great I am, the God of all gods, the God that created all things, that flung the stars in the sky, placed the moon in its place, the earth and all the planets and the universe. This great God is revealed in none other than Jesus Christ. I mean, that's it. You and I, sitting here today, Enjoying what we listen, this is more than religion. It's more than just saying we are Christians. We belong. We belong to this, this group, which Jesus Christ is our Lord, and He is present. He meets us now. Somebody said I had an experience 30 years ago. 40 years ago, two years ago. What is God going to do for me right now? He is the God of the now. I'm hurting right now. I need something right now. Guess what? He is the God of the now. He meets us where we are. And he will do what we need him to do. Notice the next one. If I rebel, if you rebel, God says to us, I'm a consuming fire. I'll be your judge. God, help us not to rebel. Help us to accept him. Listen to me. Listen to me. I am who I am. If I rebel, you rebel. He's a consuming fire. If you are penitent or or you are, are godly sorry for your sins, he says, I am a forgiving God. So whatever we need, he is for us today. If you're in school, he's there to be in that school building and in that uh, environment with you. If you're at work, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, God is a God of now to be with us now. The independent amidst dependent beings. You and I depend on other things. We certainly need help. He doesn't. I, I, I ran across this the other day, and it said 10 things it means for God to be who he is. Number one, it means he never had a beginning. Number two, it means he never will end. Number three, God is absolute being, God absolute uh, means being absolutely reality. That's sort of hard for us to grasp. There is no reality outside of God. He makes reality. He makes everything reality. There is no reality aside of him unless he wills it and unless he makes it. Not only that, but God is utterly independent. God is everything that is, listen, that is not God depends totally on God. Even the person that would shake their fist in the face of God. Even the person that would use profanity and use God's name in it. Even that person really and truly depends on God to give them every breath that they breathe. 
Nobody is isolated from God because you wouldn't exist without God. Love this. Love this. God is absolute. Or rather, God's absolute being means all the universe is by comparison to God as nothing. Now, get your mind around this one. Contingent, dependent reality, it's to absolute independent reality as a shadow to substance, as an echo to a thunderclap, as a bubble to the ocean. I'm trying to get my mind around it. All of that we, all that we see, all that we are amazed by in the world and the, in the galaxies is compared to God as nothing. Because if God didn't speak it into existence, it wouldn't be. And we think we're something that we're going to deny God, confront God, going to put another God up beside of him. There's no comparison. There is nothing without God. He is I am. And that's the reason he can say I am. Nobody else can say it because you can put ever what you want to behind it. He is the uh, all nations. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 40 and 17. All the nations are nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. We got men and women rising behind microphones and standing there with their chest out and they thinking they're somebody. Let me tell you, no nation. Most of you don't remember Mr. Khrushchev, that at one time ran the powerful nation of Russia or the Soviet Union, sitting in New York, this great meeting with his shoe off, pounding it on the desk, talking about who he was. Well, he's dead and gone, and God still lives. And the Soviet Union is no more. One of the Beatles said that they were greater than God. They're about all dead. Ringo, I guess, is still alive. Ain't nobody bigger than God. No church bigger than God. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. We need to know that. We need to know that. God's absolute being means that God is constant. He's the same what? You got it. Yesterday, today, and forever. He's God when you feel good and he's God when you feel bad. He's God when the doctor checks you out and says, you're just in perfect health. And he's God when the doctor looks at you and tells you, you got cancer. He's still God. And he'll intervene for you. God Almighty is constant. He is the absolute standard for truth. There is no truth outside of God. You can try to make it anything you want to. And believe it any way you want to. And our society has done that. Truth is whatever you want it to be. Oh, no, it's not. It's God. It's Jesus Christ. And when he speaks, he speaks none other than truth. 
Satan is a liar. Not only is the devil a liar, the Bible says he is the author of lies. But Jesus Christ simply is the absolute truth. He's the absolute goodness. He's the absolute beauty. There is no beauty without God. Go to the far, Father's hillside, isolated wherever, and look at all the blossoms, the flowers that bloom. You see, he decorated that. He said, oh, but I, I, I got a great flower garden. Let me tell you, you can plant, you can water, and you can do all you want to. But unless God makes it grow and be pretty, it won't be pretty. It's God. God Almighty is the absolute standard of beauty. He himself is the standard of what is right, what is true, and certainly what is beautiful. Number nine, God does whatever he pleases. I love this. You know, people think that they're, they're pulling the strings. Let me tell you, you may think you are. But God can make you cry uncle real quick. We can boast and we can be prideful. It is God that made America. Yes, a lot of men died for this nation. And thank God for the heroes of America. But America has what it has today because of God. And let Washington, let whoever say whatever. Without God, there wouldn't be an America. Without God, we wouldn't have the freedom that we have. Without God, we wouldn't have all the blessings that we have. Somebody says from coast to coast, from east coast to west coast, this is a great nation. It is because God made it. And God made it great. God made it great. Does whatever he pleases. But whatever he pleases is always right. Yeah, but God does what he wants to. Yeah, but it's always right. Why don't he do so-and-so for me? I've been praying for two years or ten years. Why don't he? Let me tell you, he don't make a mistake. You may not understand it. I may not understand it. And I may not even want to agree with some things. But God don't make any mistakes. And whatever he wants to do, it is right. It is always beautiful. And it is always, everything that he does is always in accord with truth. That's the kind of God, one more. God, he is the most important and the most valuable reality. Everything else in the world is secondary. You might say, well, my job's important. My wife, my husband, my children, my family, my health, all of those are important. Don't, don't get me wrong. But the reality of it is, you can take all we do, all we say, all we live, everything about our lives, and put it in a thimble almost when it comes to the reality of God. So why not serve him? Why rebel against him? God Almighty. The God of the generations. He, my friend, divinity has no past tense. It has no future tense. 
but is always in the present. You know, in studying this, I got to thinking about it. And I thought about Jen Owens. I, I, I was studying this because they went this past week to NC State. And I, I thought to myself, of course, I, it's been a long time since I was a millennial, okay? I want you to know that. Many, many moons passed. But there are many millennials. When I started preaching 48 years ago, well, I really was 50 years ago. I started pastoring 48 years ago. You know, you could preach a sermon and, and, and you had it down pad and, and you could just... But today it's just different. I'm not talking about the gospel's changed. I'm not talking about you water down the truth or in any way compromise. I'm just telling you the way you approach. But isn't it nice to go to NC State or go on the campus at UNC or wherever you go and know whether it's millennials or whether it's a granddad that our God is I am. I mean, he's right now for the millennials. So it says, well, I don't know if I can reach the millennials or not. You just present Jesus Christ because he's right now, I am. Well, so that's a little old-fashioned. He never gets old-fashioned. He's a present God. And he's just as his word and truth and testimony of him is just as fresh. Ah. Oh. And you can read the Bible over and over again and pick it up today. You may have read it through. My wife's read the Bible through. I don't know how many times. I read it through a few times, but she's read it through over and over again. I don't care how many times you read it. You pick it up today and look at it, and it's fresh. It just jumps out at you. And it ministers. It reveals things to you. That's God's word. That's because he's the God of I am. I mean, he's, he's the God of now. This is what I'm talking about. He is God. When God said, I am who I am, he declared his eternal, his unchanging, uncreated self-existence. God's name resounds with his character. God's name resounds with his reputation. And God's name resounds with its power. Oh, I'm glad I know him, don't you? I'm glad Jesus is my Lord. You can choose whoever God you want to serve. But for me and my house, Joshua said, I'm going to serve the I am. I'm going to serve. I was studying this and my wife came up to me and she had a piece of paper and she said, look here, Don. Well, Michael's the one that got me on this sermon. I ought to blame him. And then Carol topped it off. So I'm sandwiched with this sermon between Michael and Carol. And I'm jealous, but I'll go ahead and tell you what she said anyway. (laughs) She said, look at this. You can end with this. And you'll notice at the bottom it says, because I am, I am. Isn't that great? Because I am, I am complete in Christ. Colossians 2 and 10. And I've used the Amplified here. And in him you have been made complete. Someone says, well, he's the great I am. I mean, you think about him, and can you put any, any, any kind of continuity to it? Can, let me tell you what. Because of him, you and I that know him, we certainly are complete, achieving spiritual stature through Christ, and he is the head over all rule, authority of every angelic and earthly power. Someone say, Wow. 
Isn't that a great verse? You and I, because of he being the I am, we are complete. Number two, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that he should be called, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Isn't it wonderful? Listen to me, listen to me. Isn't it wonderful to know this God I've been describing for about 20 minutes? Isn't it wonderful to know that he loves us? Boy, I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to have him against me. But he loves us. You think your mom and dad, you think your companion, you think somebody loves you. Nobody loves you like Jesus. When you're loved by Jesus, you're big time loved. I love John Wayne. He's here today. And I just love to get a hug from him. Boy, he reaches out and hugs me and I got a hug. John Wayne can't love you like Jesus loves you. He can't hug you like Jesus hugs you. When you're hurting, when you're crying, and when you're sad, and when you're afraid, and when you're struggling, he reaches down and he picks you up in his arms of love and he pulls you to him and he says, I love you. I love you. Because of who he is, I'm loved. Number three, I'm accepted, Ephesians 1 and 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Though everyone would reject you, though you're bullied at school, though you're talked about by your best, quote, best friend, though you're put down by society, let me tell you who accepts you. Jesus Christ. You said, but Brother Don, I've been too bad. I've been too mean. I've been too far away from God. Let me tell you, you can't get too far away from God that God can't reach out and say, I accept you through and by the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. Oh. Number three, number four, I'm redeemed. I love this. First Peter chapter one. It says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct and received by tradition from the, your fathers, but you, but with the precious blood of Christ as, a, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. There's a reason we have that cross in this church. Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Let people take the blood out of their hymn books. Let them remove the blood from the pulpits. But let me tell you what, without the blood of Jesus Christ, you cannot be redeemed. He redeems you and I through and by this great atonement. I am cleansed, Revelation 1 and 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us. And washed us. There's not a person here today that you've accepted Jesus Christ that you didn't sense that washing. I mean, when you really repent and lay all your sins on the altar, there's something about the cleansing of Jesus Christ. 
It's one thing to be washed physically. It's something else to be washed on the inside. Your mind and your spirit. Hey, how about that soulish part of you where, the, where Jesus comes and washes you clean and you feel as light as a feather. Somebody said, I didn't feel anything. Well, you don't have to feel anything. You can accept it by faith and you're cleansed. But it sure is nice to know, Revelation 1 and 5, that we've been cleansed. Not only that, but Romans 8, 17 says, and if, and I'm reading to amplify, and if we are his children, then we are his heirs also. God's people are the heirs of Jesus Christ, God Almighty. This great I am that I've been preaching about, they're heirs. What's his is yours. Let me notice, let me notice again. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing, sharing. Is this up there? Oh, it is. Sharing, I love this part. His spiritual blessings and inheritance. You know what that says? That every believer, every Christian, shares in the blessings and inheritance of Jesus our Lord. Oh. And if indeed we share in his sufferings, so that we may also share. In his one more. I am seated in heavenly places, Ephesians 2 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Let me challenge you this morning. Get to know this God. And the only way you can get to know this great Jehovah, this Yahweh, is to know Jesus Christ. And the thing about all of this, Brother Matt, the thing about all of this, listen at me. With all of the rituals and the rites and all the Old Testament things that they had, everything that was ever done, ever done, everything that they had to offer up the blood and kill their sacrifices. You know, Josephus said that during the Passover, there were over 200 in Jerusalem. Listen at me. There were over 256,000 animals slain during the Passover time under the law. They had to have the blood for the cleansing. That's powerful. And yet Jesus Christ hung on the cross one time. He stretched out his hands. And that blood that fell from his body cleanses us. We don't have to sacrifice animals. We don't have to go through the rites and ordinances and rituals. We just simply come to him. Whether it's kneeling at this altar, sitting in your seat where you are. Wherever you are, all you've got to do is say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I repent of my sins. I'm godly sorry. It takes care of all the 256,000 animals or whatever that's recorded under the law. Something magnificent, something wonderful, something supernatural happens to you. 
you are cleansed from head to toe. That soulish part, that heart. And Jesus Christ, that same great I am that said before Abraham was I am, that same one comes in your heart and takes up his abode to live with you forever. Wow. Father, we love you today. We thank you for the great I am. We worship him today. We honor him today. We surrender to him today. We repent of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.